Hi, everyone, and welcome to the News Agent podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Good Lord Senior Content Executive. And today I'm joined by Prime Living's Director, Abs Hassan. He's going to help me talk through the topic of how to get property management right. Um, so we'll be sharing some top tips and some of the top things that landlords could perhaps be looking out for when looking for a property manager. But to kick us off, Abs, um, for the listeners out there that don't know who you are, perhaps if you could just tell us a bit about your background and a bit about Prime Living as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, so, yeah, my name is Abs Hassan. Um, we started Prime Living uh, maybe about eight years ago or so. Uh, it's myself and my twin brother. My brother is a pharmacist by trade. Um, and myself, I used to work in advertising, digital advertising. Um, but, um, yeah, we, uh, we've always had a passion for property and always wanted to get into it. Um, so, yeah, I first kind of made the plunge, as it were, and um, started doing uh, management, property management in London. Yeah, and then my brother joined in afterwards. Uh, we've been growing it ever since. Um, just yeah, we really kind of when we first started, we we just really saw that there was there wasn't. We're looking at other kind of adverts, how people were advertising, and we just felt that we could just do it a bit better. To be honest, at that stage, the market was very good at that uh, eight years ago or so, um, but we just felt we could just do it that little bit better. Um, and I think our, our landlords and stuff, um, we quickly grew from there, and I think that they could really see that what we were doing yeah and it, we've just had a, a quite nice uh, time overall over all these years um just building up and time just flies so quick as well so yeah no like eight or nine years later i need to kind of see it's time just flies really so but it's been great yeah yes. it's great to hear that you you've enjoyed it then as you say if uh, if uh, if time's flown in that way um Indeed. and it's from quite from quite diverse backgrounds although i suppose that digital marketing it does fit in with the fact that you spotted that perhaps the advertising and that side of things uh could be done better i guess so if you've got that background it, it would make sense yeah yeah no definitely and i think also one of the things is we just saw like particularly we started in hmos house shares mm. and we saw that this a lot of uh, landlords and agents were just chucking anyone into a house <laughs> and just hoping for the best. Uh, but we really took time to um, just to tailor like personalities and and like kind of ages, type of tenants. And we just found that tenants really love that. And they just ended up staying for years. And that's, that's how we first started in kind of HMOs and stuff. And then a house, sorry, house of multiple occupancies. And then we went on to do more flats and normal single lets after that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's really it's interesting uh, to dive into property, but yeah, haven't haven't looked back since. Yeah, no, well, I'd say that especially in HMOs, like you say, keeping tenants for for a number of years that is quite impressive. So we'll perhaps we'll we'll delve into that kind of thing um, throughout this conversation. Sure. I think because obviously you're doing something right, managing the property well if you're keeping tenants in for that period of time. But obviously, so today's topic, property management, is quite a big quite a broad topic there are quite a few elements in that so we may not be able to talk about everything to do with that but we'll see how much ground we can cover let's kind of start at the beginning um you know when landlords are looking for a property manager really sure. um what what would you say are the top criteria kind of in your experience that landlords would tend to focus on when deciding on the right property manager for them i guess um yeah i guess obviously locality is is somewhat important it's kind of becoming kind of less important given you know everyone everything's kind of going online um but of course locality and i guess rep- reputation is is always number one understandably and i guess there's kind of well kind of three ways we look at how can we you know increase our reputation or you know demonstrate our reputation one is kind of um like by ourselves like releasing content you know being out there maybe whether it be through our like blog posts or social media it's kind of demonstrating you know from ourselves you know how can we deliver a great product 
good service to our clients. So that's the kind of the, the first one. And then secondly, I think credibility-wise, so it's like um, kind of like third-party somewhat approval or uh, reputation on the market. So whether you have your qualifications, you've got, you know, you're, you're ARLA qualified or you're, you know, use the right deposit protection scheme, the right, you know, cut plight money protected. And then afterwards, you know, if you've been featured any sort of newspapers, any articles, basically anywhere that I, we always recommend for just other agents, stuff that we know that they want to build their kind of presence online in terms of their reputation to help get new business um, is to just whatever you can is get your name out there where other people kind of feature it or, you know, other brands and stuff. So you, maybe you can put like logos on your on your footer of your website where, you know, you are, you know, accredited, et cetera. Um, you are featured on this newspaper, except all those kind of uh, credibility points, and that overall boosts your kind of reputation to whenever a landlord is, is looking for a for a new managing agent. So yeah, we, yeah. So I think yeah, self, your self kind of validation is getting out there, putting your own content out there. Third party validation, where you um, you know you, you use other people's kind of you know, uh, credibility and stuff to really boost your your presence in the market. Um, and um, then lastly, um, and probably more, most importantly, is your like client validation. So that's like doing reviews, client reviews, testimonials, um, case studies. If you can get some case studies on your, particularly on your website, of how you turned around a property or how you helped a landlord in a particular scenario, then you know, then you kind of win on all accounts. You're, you know, you show that you're, you're giving great content. You know, you are a market leader. You've got the right reputation. And then also the clients even are referred to you and they kind of, um, uh, they kind of, yeah, they're like in your corner, kind of championing you on as well. So when you, when you're hitting all those three points, we find that that is a good, good way to overall create your presence in the market and puts you as a kind of a, a leader in terms of your industry as well. No, that seems like a good <laughs> three top top things to uh, to focus on as as an agency. Um, well, when you talk about kind of the newspaper side, you know, articles and things like that, what kind of things do you do you look to share? Because that may be some, you know, that may be something that some agencies haven't considered. Blogs and things. Sure. I think that that probably agencies started to do that, to do that more a bit during lockdown, for example, and things like that as well. Even if they didn't before, but what would you advise in terms of uh, getting into newspapers and uh, that press uh, coverage? Yes. Sure, I guess the, I mean, the main, from, because we're actually in the process of doing this at the moment, like another stage of going through at the moment. And I guess the number one is thinking about, okay, which ones are recognizable for, for landlords? Because there's, I mean, you can get, you know, obviously put yourself out onto various um, podcasts or people's, you know, other people, property people's blogs and stuff, but they may not, if they're not recognized and stuff, it doesn't give you that much credibility. So I guess you have to first like write maybe some interesting articles of your thoughts on particular areas of the market and reach out to newspapers, you know, press departments and stuff and see if they have someone in the kind of property field who is looking for new content. And just keep chipping away, you will find someone who is, you know, maybe they're a bit short on articles that month or so, um, or, or really particularly fancies uh, what your what your thoughts are. And then yeah, they just, as long as they feature an article or even just feature comments, uh, you know, that you have made, then that allows you to, you know, use that as a bit of a credibility stamp for your own profile. Uh, so, and also like, uh, like magazines, like um, property magazines, because they're read by landlords. Um, that's a really good way. And they always love case studies as well. So that like um, YPN is one of them, your property network magazine. And yeah, it's not, 
yeah, as long as you've got good um, good good, uh, good bit of content to share, they'll, they'll be happy to um, to hear about it. So I think stuff you know, look out for those magazines, property magazines, and property areas uh, of newspapers, and just try where you can to see if you can find ones which um, are recognisable to other landlords, because that will help to boost your credibility in the market. Now, that makes complete sense. And especially as you say, say case studies, because I guess that the landlord can put themselves into that situation and see whether that's something that they may have a challenge that they may have come up against in the past. And then they can really grasp how it is that you could help in that given situation. So it makes complete sense to try and put that information out there for them to to see in the right places. I, I noticed as well that on your on your website, you also have some statistics um, on there where you talk about obviously your performance, your, your agency's performance. I think it's 99 percent of tenants paying rent on time, 96 percent occupancy rate um how important are stats like that to your landlords do you find you know is that something that they really take on board and it helps aid their decision or is it you know sort of just something that you think that agencies should put out there naturally and it's just part of the process yeah i think i think it's important especially obviously the first one being rent paid you know on on time you know in full and on time um i think maybe that just shows the how you you do fight the corner for your landlords in terms of chasing those tenants who are Hopefully they've just had a bank's, you know, a, a standing order error. Um, but if not, then you're chasing them um, for the the rent payments and stuff. But no, I think it's a good way you can to give stats. It just helps to make it a bit more real rather than just saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're very good at chasing them, etc. If you have a stat to back it up, then that just gives you that extra bits of credibility, I guess, you know, or, or best like fact-based, you know, uh, truth as it were. No, exactly. It's always nice when you've got that proof that you can say, you know, this is how effective we are in this situation. I mean, with such a high percentage, do you have any tips um, in terms of how, how you know, agents can potentially put to good use to, to make sure that they can achieve similar similar levels of uh, rent payments on time? That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I guess we're quite fortunate where we um, work with predominantly the professional market. So they are generally very good payers of rent. So I know if you go into the kind of um, maybe like the LHA market uh, or even like company lets and stuff, sometimes it may not be as consistent. So, yeah, I think uh, I think we're, we're very much helped by a very you know, London professional market. But most of our tenants are like in their late 20s, you know, 30s. They're look, probably looking for a mortgage in the future and stuff. They're just generally like really good pay, payers of rent. Um, but I guess also having a, a good rent follow up procedure, just, you know, if rent doesn't come in, you've got a set procedure that gets actioned rather than um, having to figure out on the fly. It's, um, yeah, it's just something you have to have a system for in the background. I think a system in in every situation is is, um, is always a good thing to keep things on track. Um, how important would you say that <laughs> referencing is then um, in terms of, I, I suspect that, you, you may be quite lucky in as much as your audience they do tend to be these professionals that pay on time but how important is is referencing um to make sure that you get the right tenant in the first place and then how would you say that you go about ensuring that you do get those right tenants for your landlords uh yeah referencing very important uh, we reference everyone and yeah we do as of all we actually use of course goodlords um platform which has yeah, been really a game changer for us and yeah it just provides you know great easy checks in terms of their ID, credit, income and, and residential checks. And I think you just have to really review the the data that you see there as well. Like we always look at the, the data that the tenant has sent in and just see if there's anything alarming, et cetera, in there. Um, now referencing is, is very important and I don't think, yes, yeah, I wouldn't advise any agent to to skip it or otherwise 
just be to be to be light on it because you know you get one error and that could really just you know really damage the landlord in future so you hear about these stories and stuff along around the market um but yeah you think you have to be very strict upon it um even if it does take longer even if it does push out the start date or the tenant gets a bit wobbly and stuff you just have to say no you have to complete the referencing let's do all the right checks you know you know, got to make sure that obviously your landlord is protected and that's what that's what referencing is all about um but also i mean partly before even they hit referencing you have to meet the te- well we say we always have to meet the tenant at least video call um for us um and just see if you think personally wise they are a good fit for the property or for, you know, for the landlord and that they are going to you know they seem like a credible character to you um we're happily turn turn away tenants we just think oh you know what this person looks just not great this if the feeling comes across because you know all the agents i'm sure or landlords listening to this will have done maybe tens or hundreds of of viewings or thousands maybe of viewings and you yeah with that sort of experience you'll be able to gauge who is a, a you know a good candidate who you know is a bit you know just a bit someone you maybe not want to let to so just keep the options open um, and just you, you trust your gut firstly before even going to referencing because um, usually your gut is right we find. Are you finding that the cost of living is having to change your processes in any way or perhaps change how you're advising landlords or anything along those lines or perhaps more guarantors things like that is there any uh, any trend that you're seeing there? Not, um, not, not particularly um, yeah I think we, we still use the same process of doing our kind of personal kind of personality checks initially when we meet them then after it's all the referencing checks i mean if we need a guarantor then that just come up during referencing or even before referencing i mean we do advise kind of extra rent protection insurance where we can just because especially especially we're doing like a whole whole property yeah i think it's it's a bit of a no-brainer really you know to really protect yourself for 12 months for a minimal amount um we always kind of advise landlords to do rent protection um especially with like the first tenancy then afterwards you might decide okay you know what, i don't need it after that point the jobs are still secure etc but yeah i think it's always best to you know, be on be on the proactive and the you know protective sort of side of things at the start and then you can go from there otherwise no completely and obviously you you touched on it before sort of the advertising side of things what what do you put into the process that makes you stand out in terms of actually advertising your your landlord's properties now you know what is it that you can offer them to make them see that you kind of go over and above in in this uh, in this category um yeah so i guess um well, i guess initially you have to first before even taking on the property just have to make sure the property is is going to hit the mark with the audience so you know if you do a your initial viewing you're about to instruct a landlord and some agents will just chuck the kind of <laughs> the um, the advert online and just you know they could let it fine but um you know you could say advise a landlord okay actually let's let's paint it let's decorate this you need to really change this old-fashioned bathroom or whatever whatever it is get rid of old furniture you know really have a really clean base of you know your aesthetics of the property and then so once you've got kind of the framework of the property right, then you're like, okay, then it, would it benefit the landlord, you know, in terms of having the property, you're adding furniture to it or having the property dressed because we, we do um, property dressing for our um, for our landlords who, who wish to have it. And that really is quite, we find it quite a bit of a game changer because a, la- a tenant coming into a room or a, or a property can really you know, feel, you know, you're selling the kind of lifestyle to them, not just the property. 
and that's what like property dressing really helps to do um it sells them a bit of a lifestyle and helps them to imagine you know them living there so we find dressing really helps particularly for our, our hmos our roomlets so yeah i'm surprised that not, not i don't really know any other agents who really do it that much because it is quite it's not it's quite quick, relatively quick to do, and you can charge extra for it. Um, so we find that it's a really quite a bit of a game changer. Yeah, so yeah, property dressing and then advertising it, obviously getting great photos and doing you know, videos, be it 360 tours. Uh, again, you can teach your teams and stuff how to do 360 tours. It's not, you don't have to buy a really expensive camera for it. You can do it yourselves. To, yeah, it can be done easily yourself. And then that allows you to even open it to a larger pool of, of tenants who are viewing from abroad because abroad, especially international students stuff, they even are willing to pay higher rents and stuff because they find it challenging to get units sometimes. Yeah, so 360 tours, videos for sure. So yeah, if you just have to step up from just doing the photos, which is the kind of standard, it's, okay, what about the property aesthetics? And then above that, okay, what about accessibility to the aesthetics? Then you think about the video, the 360 tour, you know, whether you're going to do video calls when you're there over Skype, um, you know, Google Meet, WhatsApp, whatever it takes kind of thing. And then that really just opens up a pool, uh, a larger pool to you, you know, to get the best uh, best tenant that you want for the property, for the landlord. I guess it gives the tenant the opportunity to kind of filter a little bit themselves because you're right that seeing just photos is one thing and however good they are, though, you can't really link up the rooms and uh, walk through in quite the same way. So that makes complete sense. Um, I guess continuing on the topic of, of improvements, obviously one of the big aspects of being a landlord is keeping on top of compliance and legislation changes and things like that and obviously ensuring that all of um, all of the equipment and things your know, gas safety and etc everything's up to scratch and within that obviously you have energy efficiency and the fact that at the moment that's quite a big topic um, and there are probably there are, although we don't know dates and so on but there's likely to be an increase in the minimum energy efficiency standards and so on H- how do you advise landlords around that is do you go in and help advise them on the improvements they can make are you encouraging that that now or advising them on how they can spread the costs um how, how involved are you on that aspect yeah i guess we, we always do like a like an initial assessment of the property um whether also being part of their certificates and stuff but also even you know looking at you know, it's the fuse box. You can tell by the fuse box is really outdated. Even like windows and stuff, uh, you know, yes, double glazing or, or triple glazing if you're, you know, if you're on a very busy road um, will also help your EPC. But also you have to think, okay, well, the if you're going to do a refurb anyway, adding the extra whatever thousand pounds, is it going to add a lot of value to your product overall? And it's something you don't have to worry about for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, we definitely we do like a bit of an assessment for whenever we kind of view a property and see how can the landlord just improve it in terms of rental income, of course. But also there's some things you know, they maybe would just less to tackle now while it's going to be empty over a transition between tenants. Because, yeah, just don't if you can, don't do any um, try not to do work during uh, when tenants are there uh, later on, especially if the EPC kind of kicks in then um, yeah, you might have to find yourself um, doing a lot of work. So if you can, we're, we're very proactive with just advising where we can to landlords to, to take action now, and then you can kind of rest easy later on. 
It makes sense to ensure that you're looking at that when tenants aren't there, like you say, but I guess it, uh, so it's not just a question of making sure that landlords make the improvements, it's making sure it's at the best time for them and their tenants so that then they can continue to get their rent um, throughout the year without any complaints, I suppose, if uh, if it's disrupting tenants. Do you, do you have any other tips in terms of maximising, helping landlords to maximise their rental returns? I guess when you're a property manager, that's one of the areas that landlords will be quite interested in. Um, sure. You know, how can you go about doing that in the best way? Um, I think apart from the you know, what I mentioned before about the advertising and having the, the different content types, because you know you want to have different content types to suit the different type of tenants who want a video viewing, who want to be in person showing around, etc., or want a three sixty tour so they can really get an idea of the space there. Um, but I think apart from that, the initially what we're always trying to do is when we when adverts are put up online, the first spike you get because it's the highest ranking on the portals. That first viewing slot is the most important one, or the first couple of viewing slots are the most important. So we always try and put a you know, really big time slot in for viewings and try and batch in as many as we can in terms of viewings, um, like back to back. This is just so obviously we can get, for us it's obviously efficient, but it helps because then the tenants viewing can see that you know as they're going out, someone else is going in. It does create a bit more urgency for tenants who are kind of, you know, they're like they're maybe lightly looking or they're deciding between two places. Uh, we find that that helps in terms of conversion rate. Is you know having a lot of people come at one time, you get multiple offers, and that just you know giving your landlord, you know, say like four offers for the property from one set of viewings, etc., or whatever it will it be, it really just puts you, you know, they're really chuffed and they can really select the best person rather than having to go for one option they can actually think okay you know what i have all these options this one really hits the mark for me um, so i think bulk viewings especially for the first viewing slot it's always the most important so we always try and do like um we launch the adverts and about three days afterwards we have a two to three hour slot viewing slot roughly and just because you need some time to actually tee up the viewings and that really gives us the we find the best kind of roi in, the, in terms of our time initially so I think that that helps because you can get when they compete, when you have tenants all competing for the same property, that helps you do a bidding more. So you can say to tenant, OK, yes, we have multiple offers. You know, please get back to us by this time with what is your maximum offer or, you know, you can kind of just play it that way. So that helps get, you know, the landlord's best rental income. I think also one of the other key ones is we find some, well, we, even for our own portfolio, some landlords have tenancies that they renew in like November, December. February, the kind of cold months, as it were, which we really don't. Uh, well, we don't like even going out to obviously the office and you know going into the cold to do viewings. But other than that, it's just a case of not many people are not as many people are looking during those periods. So we've we always advise landlords to to align their tenancies to around about August September, where you're on the peak of the market. Or otherwise, I mean, you do get some other spikes here and there in in the annual calendar, but August and September is very consistent because you have all the grads job starting this is for the pressure market and it also you have all the students as well if you are targeting students um particularly like international students if you're zone one or zone two ish um so yeah if you align it to the to the peak of the market you can get the best the best rents at that time so some landlords like oh no i want 12 months even though the tenancy starts in the beginning of december like no don't do that just you know give a short period let it and then let it align give it a nine month or whatever it is to align it to august and next year then you can run 12 months back-to-back tenancies you know, year on year at the peak of the market 
So we always find it odd that some landlords really want a 12 month at November or something like that. <laughs> we just try and advise them not to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's quite a big one. Don't let in the cold months if you can avoid it. I guess as well, though, uh, that if you're ensuring that they're always being able to let it out at those peak times and you overlap it with the fact that you do uh, uh, you create that sense of urgency then it just means that you're cutting down on that void period too so it's just money saving in uh, in all aspects really definitely yeah definitely yeah the last thing you want it is to go um when it goes we, we kind of from the 20th of december onwards we call it like no man's land because there's no point doing not much point doing viewings because everyone's just focused on christmas so um yeah just try and say to august september you'll be especially August, it'll be, it'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. I know, exactly. Um, well, I think that before we, we perhaps look a little bit around kind of maintenance, and I know that you've got a particular case study, which I think will be be of interest, um, just, to, just to show how you can really go above and beyond in, in uh, property management. Um, I think let's, let's just take a quick break first. Tenants are the landlords of the future. That's a pretty well-known industry mantra. So why not make sure they're happy with your agency by giving them the best rental experience in the world? Goodlord streamlines the entire rental process for your tenants, from signing the offer letter to collecting their rent, and it offers them deals and extra services to help them get move-in ready, all in one online journey. Head to goodlord.co today to learn more. Goodlord. It's just that good. So. I guess now, as as I said, let's let's have a look at the maintenance side. I know that we have touched on kind of improvements. We've touched on uh, some of the safety aspects and things like that. In terms of actually managing uh, the properties for sort of everyday maintenance and things that may crop up with tenants, how do you advise managing that in the best way for the landlord? Or is it depending on each individual landlord's preferences for how much they want to be contacted about these things? Actually, some, some animals, yes, we are left to our advisors, which we, we quite like. Um, but in most scenarios, um, well, we have like a generally a cap of how much we're allowed to spend per property issue. So obviously a landlord doesn't want to know when you're going there to change um, what would be kind of an easy one, like a toilet seat. <laughs> landlord doesn't want to know. Uh, they just want it done uh, and for you not to bother them when they're, when they're, during their working day. Um, so yeah, we always recommend for, if it's for other agents, to have a... Um, like a maintenance cap where you don't have to they're happy for you to just keep keep uh, your maintenance tickets your maintenance you know uh, resolving going without having to bother them and then when it goes up above a certain amount then then we contact the landlord see if they're happy we give them the kind of full brief a quote if needed um and see what they want to do from there that's the kind of that's how, that's how we generally run it so we have some landlords who are just they said that regardless they don't want to be contacted anyway um <laughs> some of our international landlords they just trust us fully kind of thing we've been working with them for years um so we just we do that for them of course um but most of them we just go by the the cap and that helps kind of get clarity on what to expect or to get to help not get unexpected costs um, coming through on their statement each month and for international landlords as you just mentioned obviously <coughs> i know that you work with with some of those what are kind of the differences in terms of how you go about managing that? Uh, is it easier? Is it is it um, more difficult with um, landlords that are perhaps in the local area? How, how do you manage that? Um, I guess it's, um, well, I guess when you have to, the only thing is when you have to explain issues, you have to be a bit more thoughtful that they may not have visited property for years. So they don't remember, recall every, all the elements of it. Like, you know, if they, we've had like problems like heating or plumbing issues. They might not remember like, 
you know, how is the plumbing, the the pipes go, which way, et cetera, and stuff that might be very intricate for them. Um, so you just have to think about, okay, how can I show this visually to them, whether it be, you know, like a video call in person, say, explaining the issue. We always try and get for our international landlords, uh, if we can, videos showing showing them the issue. That just really helps them kind of remember and recall where, they, where everything is located. Yeah, video recording or video in person, um, or even sometimes might do like a diagram or so, like particularly if we're doing installation of a new fire detection system. Like if you've got uh, HMOs, like they're going through additional licensing or mandatory licensing that you need, depending on the size of the property, you know, you need a new fire detection system. We find a, re- a diagram really helps rather than just saying one here, one there, one on this floor. It's, we just make a little floor plan thing for them. Just think about visually, can, will they understand it very well? Um, and just, yeah, just try and help them out and think, you know, that they haven't been there for years, maybe. How can we make it clearer for them? And actually looking at these differences, um, what about where you have um, perhaps a landlord that only has a couple of properties, for example, versus a portfolio landlord? I mean, do you find, I would assume that there are differences in terms of how you'd go about managing those properties for them. I mean, do you find it, again, easier having conversations with, say, the portfolio landlords because they have a bit more experience? How, how does that all work for you? Yeah, I feel like as we find the, the portfolio landlords uh, a bit more easier because um, if they're a portfolio landlord, they've probably been doing this for a, a bit, very long time. So they're very used to getting costs and they kind of know like, okay, if some there's a roof issue, like, oh, they'll say like, oh, is it the lead that is come away or whatever it is? And be like, yes, it is. So you, you have to explain less generally to portfolio landlords. And also if you think if you're an, if you're an individual landlord with one property or two properties, most likely one of them is your former home. So it's maybe got a lot more sentimental value. So if a tenant annoyingly, maybe they spilt wine on the carpet or they did something like that, it's more likely for them to get, to be honest, pissed off <laughs> because of it. Whereas a portfolio landlord would kind of take it on a chin and be like, oh yeah, that's just another thing that you know happens in property. Whereas uh, you get different responses from <laughs> different uh, landlords. So. Oh, I guess you've got, just got to be a bit empathetic, I guess, in certain situations to just understand where they're coming from as well. But uh, yeah, I guess in, in any situation with any landlord, you have to adapt to, to them. So I guess in some ways it's a bit of a redundant question, but I thought it was interesting. To no, ask no, no, not at all. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. <laughs> and obviously you just mentioned spilling um, spilling red wine on the carpet, but I know that you've got a particular case study that um, we, you mentioned to me before where it, it really does sort of demonstrate where a property manager can can come in and kind of really support a landlord through certain uh, situations that you wouldn't necessarily expect to come up against. Um, I think you know the, the case study that I'm talking about. Uh, yes, yeah, so we had a uh, yeah, very, I, I was so interested to go around this property because it's just so different. Um, but we had a um, one property where a landlord approached us through a referral um, saying he'd like us to come and, and help him rent out his property. He had had a recent issue where the property had been, uh, he found out police had raided it and it was a weed farm. So that, that obviously was a bit of a surprise to him. Uh, but yeah, we, we assessed the one in there and you could see like the kind of the door was, you know, broken in. Um, all the windows were boarded up. There was like fake kind of partition walls. Um, they put like um, kind of like hooks and stuff to hang up the the lighting and the, you know, the weed plant, plants and stuff. Um, all the weed had actually been taken away by that point, but still, you can still see what was going on there. Um, they and then you also find like ventilation so they'll make holes in the wall to put vent, big kind of tubing ventilation to obviously keep fresh air going because they have all the windows generally closed and blacked out 
um, just maybe, I guess, to keep consistency of temperature and all that. I'm obviously I'm not an expert in this field. Yeah, I imagine that's what they were doing. Um, electrics have been jumped, of course, because, you know, you imagine the electrical cost for a wee farm is quite high. So they had managed to, you know, reroute through before it hits the meter. So they jumped that. So it's very unsafe, the, the electrics with kind of ad hoc fuse boxes made everywhere. So, yeah, I guess we, we <laughs> that was a very interesting one to find and to go around. And obviously just yeah, feel terrible for the landlord who, um, oddly enough, had a managing agent and it still happened. Um, so there's some agents out there you have to be, that's why you have to do your due diligence, as, I, as we talked about earlier. So, yeah, that was um, an interesting one. So, what I mean, how we, yeah, we just went in there, assessed it, and um, not, we the first thing was just making it safe in terms of electrical because we had, we we're going to have trades and stuff coming in to sort this property out. So, yeah, first made it electrically safe. Our police had finished there. They said that we can kind of go in and, and take it on from there. And this landlord was an international landlord. So I guess maybe he somewhat had been taken advantage in, in that element because he didn't visit the property or the country within years or so. So, yeah, um, yeah, pretty much we kind of had to gut the property out, kind of like a, a standard reefer. But obviously we had we found more damage to like window frames because they had drilled into the window frames and set up new ventilation. Luckily, there wasn't a sprinkler system. Some weed farms have a sprinkler system, so you could find... For months on end, your property could be soaking up water from the sprinkler system. We found one landlord; he had to, I think, he had to like pay like twenty thousand pounds to sort of his one. Um, so it can be, you know, if you've got a weed farm and that's, you know, and it's got a sprinkler system that's not, you know, looked after, I guess, <laughs> then you can have issues there. Um, but yeah, we had to kind of gut it out. Obviously, we just did a lot of video calls with the client, um, showing him what it is before, giving him a kind of an idea of where we want to get to terms of getting us to back into a habitable property thinking about okay how are we gonna as well as decorate it okay what about the smell of weed in that in the property you know changing getting carpets either cleaned or or just removing them altogether which i think we ended up doing anyway and yeah just t- just talking through the the client um with a lot of yeah just a lot of video calls i think because it was hard to imagine all the the bits that come up in a in a weed farm like the electrical issues the yeah, the windows being kind of busted because of they they were making fake partition walls everywhere. Yeah, it was very, it was very to me. To me, it was very fascinating. But obviously, terrible for the landlord, um, but it was it was a very interesting experience. And uh, I think uh, yeah, just for landlords maybe listening to this and, and agents, just to make sure to inspect your properties quite you know quite you know often doing do inspections, even and particularly if a tenant like pays you rent in advance for a long period. Um, with a higher rent than they, they would normally do, then maybe ask some questions as well. No, you're right. It does definitely show the uh, the importance of doing your due diligence and, and making sure that, uh, as you say, that you do sort of follow things by the book. And uh, it must have been quite an interesting one for to sort of putting your property management skills to the test to uh, to rectify everything afterwards. But it, it turned out to be successful. I know that you re-rented the property and so on, and, and it all uh, it all went well. Yeah, still still renting. I think four, five, yeah, some years down the line, and also now have other properties of his that we manage as well. So he's he's very happy landlord. Very Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, I actually just uh, with the fact that you say that they are uh, staying in the property for a, for a few years down the line. I mean, aside from the aspects that we've already touched on, I mean, what would you say is the key to making sh- helping your keep your tenants in a property for that long period of time? Because obviously you can dress up the property initially when they move in and help them f- see that lifestyle and things. But that doesn't necessarily lead to them staying for a long period of time. Sure. So what, what, what do you do to help? make sure that your landlords can keep them 
Well, I guess if we're if kind of like two sides of the coin, one is if we talk about HMOs particularly, um, it's going to come down to generally well, two, like the maintenance and, and cleanliness, but uh, primarily is actually the other people you put in the house. Because, you know, all you need is one bad egg and then pretty much you can get the whole house ab- abandoning ship, as it were. Um, so really thinking about, okay, does this person going to gel well with the other people in, in the house? If it's like a <clears throat> professional HMO where you actually do want them to kind of get along, some HMOs, the, you might be more than happy. You just they kind of stick to their room, and that's the kind of deal that they get, they're, and they're happy to do that. Um, but I think in, in London and stuff, generally we have more of the kind of professional HMO where you do want them to gel well, yeah. And then it all just comes down to matching the right tenants, the right people in in the house. So just trying to, if you find anyone, okay, you know what? Although they might be good on paper, they don't, they're not going to gel well. They're like got different very different professional working hours so you know they actually they're going to annoy everyone when they're waking up in the midnight and you know um about to go to work or, so, or something like that just think about okay if i've got other options you know let's just be a bit wise about it and in terms of successful like hmos but for single lets i guess the key for keeping tenants long term is i think all about fast communication with them with with like repairs and upkeep of the property we repair stuff generally very quickly um very proactive um, and luckily, we have this the kind of maintenance cap I mentioned, which allows us to to act on things really quickly without even having to uh, to ask the landlord. Um, which you know, they obviously they want to happen anyway. They want to keep a happy tenant, and they also want to not be bothered where where possible. But yeah, I think just being communicative is that sort of correct word, and and um, yeah, just res- being just really responsive to maintenance uh, issues because that. That really annoys tenants. In this day and age, you know, everyone's so busy. The last thing they need is to go home and think, oh, they've got an issue around the place. So, yeah, I think just being really responsive is is so key. It seems that you do take quite a, a holistic view for that customer service, just making sure that everybody gets the right customer service for them, you know, whether it is your tenant or your landlord. I, I know that recently, actually, we, we had a, a webinar. It was with uh, John Paul from Castle Dean Group. Um, he taught through retaining agency staff and building up company culture to do so. Um, but I, I suspect that, you know, like agency culture, it probably, it probably feeds into a bit how landlords feel that they're going to be treated as well. I mean, how important is is agency culture to your landlords is it something that they buy into into your brand into you as, as people your agency yeah i think i think it's massive for for an agency or for, for any agency you think about your landlords or even your tenants they're, they're not just going to talk to you they're going to talk to everyone at some point they're going to talk to various people within the within your company in your agency so having like someone who doesn't match that sort of culture and you know about going above and beyond for their clients it's just going to impact negatively. I guess it, you know, obviously it comes from your directors, the managers, you know, what is the culture? They have to actually set a clear kind of culture, what they want to achieve when they are communicating to landlords and how they go about doing their job. And then I think you just have to be very disciplined with, with you know, the whole, I think there's the saying fire, sorry, higher, slow, fire fast. If you, you know, if you think, um, you know, just take your time and vetting and doing interviews and stuff with the team members you are looking to take on to make sure, okay, you know what, this person is really going to hit the mark with our team. They get, you know, they're going to gel well with everyone. And if you find you do hire someone who isn't a, a, fit, a right fit, don't keep them on the books and keep on going and then thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be okay. Maybe my culture will fit, fill into them a bit more down the line. It's just best to kind of cut where you can, cut your losses and think, okay, you know what, it's not working, but thank you very much. And then that cult because you don't want that culture being ruined at all because that is what they, the landlords buy into 
So yeah, I think it's, it's just very important to really have a clear set out setting, a really clear culture, and then ensuring you've got the right team members to to really live to it as well. And to round off our conversation, I guess that, you know, what most of what we've talked about at the beginning, at least, was you know, getting getting landlords on initially as on the property management side of things. What about those stragglers, the, the, the landlords that may be on a let only service? I mean, how do you go about having conversations with them to actually get them to move to a property management service? You know, what, what really do they look for and what do they value in those conversations? Yeah, I think um, it's it's, a, it's quite an interesting one because we have obviously we've got some landlords we do let only, and if they ask us for like kind of we call it like pseudo management because we're kind of they're asking questions that are kind of like management questions like how can I do this, how can I do that, and you're like, oh, you're not a management client, but oh, I help you out anyway because you know because you want to help be helpful. So it's a bit uh, that's I think that's where you get the the problem is when they're kind of getting the best of both. <laughs> you have to be disciplined and say you know what, um, you know, obviously we're happy to help where we can. Here's what you could get for, you know, a management service. These are all the benefits you get. And just, I think you just have to kind of, re, you know, really reel it off to them, make it, make them aware because they might not have it obviously for top front of mind. So you just have to think, okay, these are all the benefits you could get with being managed. You know, we know you're busy, etc. This is how we can help. Um, and just, you know, especially when you have those, the landlords calling you for some assistance, just, I think you just have to at some point weave it in there and say, you know, obviously, I would love to help further, but we have, you know, I have to prioritize my management clients. Um, but if there's something you're interested in, and then you try and weave in how you can, they become a management client as well. And give them a special discount as well. <laughs> yeah, that seems a nice way to, to get them on board. But it's, it's good, I guess, if, if they start asking questions, it's a quite a clear indication that you might be able to sort of um, suggest the, the the next level for them if, uh, if they're starting to ask that type of question. So Yeah, usually you're on good terms anyway with them. So uh, I think that they generally don't mind, you know, being, uh, they, they, I imagine they expect these uh, conversations at some point. But, you know, we've, we've converted landlords to, to management and just, just by illustrating the extra benefits they get of it particularly when they get busy that's the main that's a really key factor because everyone wants time yeah makes complete sense well uh, do you think um before i i bring our conversation to a close do you think that we've missed off any any particular tips or advice that you think that you'd like to share um on how to get property management right i realize that we've touched on a variety of topics and a variety of steps in the process but is there anything that you think that we've missed or any uh, any key uh, key element that you'd like to share no, I think it's I think it's really clear clear communication to to particularly if you talk about landlords, you know, really clear communication to them, and trying to get them also the best price in terms of trades. I think that's quite a key one because whenever they look at their monthly statement, they have to know that you are doing the best by them because we have trades quote stuff and we could accept the quote without even asking a landlord, but then we go back and say no, we, we need we need it cheaper or we, or we need it. You know, obviously you still need the same standard quality of work. But um, yeah, I think really going above and beyond in the background for your landlord just sets a good tonality for not only your internal, how you work internally from, you know, as demonstrating as the leader of your team, for example, but also it will come through to the costs and stuff that get incurred by the landlord. And as a culture overall, will it will filter through as well. I was just thinking about would you accept this cost or would you do this this way personally? We always like to put ourselves personally, especially when it comes to viewings and that kind of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, again, we we happily reject people. We just, I <laughs> say, just don't like. But you can just tell that you know what, this ain't the right person. Um, and that's because yeah, you want years worth of 
hopefully no you know no tenants changing in the property no a hassle um so i think really trust your gut and a lot of agents really think about this commission first and then okay it's not really my could be not my problem later on it could be another team member or even just the landlord who's on less only but that is a t- i think a really bad way of looking at it i think you have to really put your only do it if, as if you would do it for yourself it takes more effort takes more work but um you know you your landlords would, would love you for it and we've never had a landlord leave us for poor service and so we hope to keep that track record going as well i think that's a that's a great positive note to to end our conversation on so uh, thanks ever so much abs for for joining i think it's it has been really interesting i think it's really highlighted the importance of referencing and how much that filters into later stages down the road um and obviously making sure that you do your due diligence continue to have those conversations and ensure that you're offering that great service that you appear to be doing so thank you no worries thank you thank you for having me